and Terry's going to come and read Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 1 to 12 to us. Um, and as, as we normally do in these uh, second morning services, uh, we're going to have our, our talk in two parts. So um, after this, uh, Dan's going to come and, and share with us the, the first part of his talk, um, and we'll sing a song, or we'll listen to another song after that. Uh, so Terry. What shall, we, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in, how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were, ba- we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, we cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Live in, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Brilliant. Dan, over to you. morning everyone good to see you all welcome to everyone who's at home tuning in so glad that you could be with us this morning and uh, do keep if you've got your bibles open in front of you do keep looking at them if you've got your worksheets in front of you do keep filling them as we go through it this morning but it's great that we could be here all together well i love james bond I think if there were any film character that I would want to be, I think it would be him. I mean, James Bond, he is like suave, he's sophisticated, he drives fast cars for a living, and he gets to save the world on a daily basis. If there's anyone I think I'd want to be in film, it would probably be James Bond. I'm sure you'd probably think of someone else that you'd want to be. But you know, one of the things that James Bond has is that he has a license to kill. That's what they say about James Bond. He's given permission to basically get rid of all the bad guys. And he can do that without fear of any consequences uh, of doing that. Because he's got this special license. And the reason I mention that this morning is because in one sense, it's very easy as Christians, as those who follow Jesus to believe that we have a license like James Bond. Not to kill, of course, but to sin. A license that lets us do whatever we think we can do without fear of any consequences. And we call that license grace. And so if I've got this grace, well, I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want because Jesus will just forgive me. 
He loves to forgive. And I'll get it if I ask for it. And so we can almost walk around with this thing called grace, like the gospel, the good news of Jesus, just like one big get-out-of-jail-free card. And in one sense, isn't that what we've seen in Romans so far? Isn't that what we've seen? The gospel really is just one big get-out-of-jail-free card. That though everyone has fallen short of God's standard, that though no one deserves God's love, but rather his justice, even though that's what the whole of humanity deserves, so the way it's rejected and turned away from the one who's given it life, actually God doesn't offer us what we deserve. And Paul shows us in Romans so far that we can be made completely right. That word justified that you see time and time again in Romans, we're not guilty, we've been forgiven. Not by doing good things, hoping that the good will outweigh the bad. But Paul shows us that we receive this forgiveness as a gift, as a free gift to you and to me this morning. Through what Jesus has done in providing this incredible rescue by taking our punishment in our place on the cross. And last week from Phil, we heard that Jesus... He's undone everything that Adam did way back in the Garden of Eden. And so Adam, through his one act of disobedience, he brought guilt, he brought sin and shame into the world. And yet Jesus, through his one act of obedience and love on the cross, he's done away with everything that Adam did. And he's made a way for all of that guilt, all of that sin, all that shame to be removed. It's the last verse before our passage began this morning. Chapter 5, verse 20. Look with me. It says, When sin increased, grace increased all the more. Though our guilt was just racking up, it was going up and up and up and up and up. God's grace goes further still. It goes way bigger than our sin. Where, great, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. God covers our sin because He's got a greater grace. How incredible is that this morning? That is what good news is. What God has done for us. And yet the really logical question we've got to ask ourselves in light of all of that is that, well, if we've got this incredible source of grace that covers all of our sin, past, present, and future, if that's the case, if there's nothing I can do to merit my forgiveness, and it's all a free gift... Well, we might get to the point where uh, you sometimes hear Christians often jokingly say, they say, if I've got forgiveness, I might as well use it. Because that's the mindset that Paul knows that some people might have as they're going through Romans so far. He says in the first part of our passage uh, this morning, chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? so that grace may increase. He says, by no means. Paul doesn't want us to get the wrong idea of grace this morning. Grace isn't a 007 special license to sin. It's not a credit card where our aim is to go and max it out in Louis Vuitton, knowing that God's going to go and pick up the bill. Do you know, it might be this morning that we really want to walk away from following Jesus. 
We really just want to live the way that we want to live. We're tired of all of this. We just wish we could give the whole Jesus thing a rest. and Just do what we want for a bit. Knowing that God's grace will always be there. If I need forgiveness later on in the line, God's always got it there. As one person said in history, God will forgive me. It's his job. It's his job to forgive me. God loves forgiving. He'll do that. But you see, Paul is going to show us this morning, that's not where grace leads us. That is not how we are to treat God's grace. And if it is how we treat God's grace, then it shows us that we've completely misunderstood where grace is meant to lead us this morning. And as we go through our passage, I've got two points as we explore it together. The first one is dead to sin. Dead to sin, verses 1 to 10. You see, the reason that Paul says we can't go on sinning, we shouldn't go on sinning, and treating grace as a, a license to sin, is because Paul says we're dead to sin. Look with me at verse 2. He says, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And Paul, in this first section, he shows in our passage this morning that we've died to sin because we've been united to Christ. Look with me at how Paul shows that. He says, verse 4, he says, We were therefore buried with him. Verse 5, we've been united with him in a dead like his. We will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 6, he says, Our old self was crucified with him. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Paul also uses this picture of baptism to show us that something more has happened to people who follow Jesus than just making a decision to make him king. Something more has happened. Something incredible has happened. Actually, someone who trusts Jesus has been completely united to Jesus. Jesus' story becomes our story. And last week we saw why that is so important for us to know. Because we saw last week that Adam's story is actually our story. See, just as Adam sinned, just as Adam rebelled and rejected God's rule, you see, we follow in that same story. We follow the same pattern. And therefore, Paul says, we have the same story end of the story is the same as Adam's. It results in death. This morning, we need a new story. We need to be united to someone who's far better than Adam, who gives us a different end to the story that you and I live in our lives. And you know, that's exactly what Paul says we've received in knowing Jesus. Because Jesus' story is completely different to the one that we have in Adam. Instead of being under in being slaves to sin, as Paul says, and receiving death, Paul says that being united to Christ means that we're set free from sin. We're forgiven. And instead of receiving death, we receive life, eternal life, forever and ever. We need a new story this morning, and we have the best story that we could ever have. We are united with Christ. And so Jesus' victory over sin and death 
becomes our victory over sin and death. And uh, I think that's something that we might be quite familiar with, being united with someone, even though we haven't gone through it. You see, um, I'm a Newcastle fan, and when Newcastle United win, which if you don't know anything about football is like all the time, when Newcastle win, uh, I come down to the office uh, to see James, and I come down and I say, we won! We won! And James looks at me madly and saying, Dan, you didn't even play the match. Well, how did you win? But I say we won because I'm so united to my team. My team's victory is my victory. Do you know the same is true with Jesus? His victory becomes our victory. We're united with him. That's what it means for Jesus' story to be our story this morning. You know, we might find it hard, especially in a world where we like to be our own individuals and we like to think that we have our own stories. But the Bible says that we can only ever have two stories Adam or Jesus. And I wonder this morning what is our story? Is our story Adam? Are we still going to be in that boat, rejecting God, refusing to love our Creator, living under sin, and facing death as a consequence? Or is our story this morning going to be Jesus? Jesus knowing that He has completely forgiven us, He has set us free from sin, and He's not bringing us death at the end of our story, He's bringing us life forever. And ever. And just as Jesus walked into a tomb and walked out again, that will be my story. That will be your story too. What's our story? And you know, that is why continuing to sin is not the direction that grace leads us this morning. Because when we continue to sin, we're living out a story that's not ours anymore. That's our old life. Christ is brought into a new life. And when we sin, we're not living as we are. But you know, I wonder this morning, I wonder whether we're feeling a tension. We're feeling a tension this morning because it might be that we love Jesus with all of our heart. We love him, we trust him, we want Jesus' story to be our story more than anything this morning. And yet we hear Paul talk about being dead to sin And we don't feel that. Because instead of feeling dead to sin, we feel very much alive to sin. We don't feel unconscious like a corpse to its draw and its pull. Why is that? And you know, Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his commentary on this, he uses an illustration. He realizes this tension and he, he illustrates it saying this. He says, take the case of the poor slaves in the United States of America about a hundred years ago. They were in a condition of slavery. Then the American Civil War came and the result of the war was slavery was abolished. It was removed in the United States. But what actually happened? All the slaves, young and old, were given their freedom, but many of the older ones 
who had endured long years of being in slavery, found it very difficult to understand their new status. They heard the announcement that slavery was abolished and that they were set free, but hundreds and thousands of them in their afterlives, in their experiences, didn't realize it. When they saw their old master coming, they quaked and trembled, wondering whether they were going to be sold. Lloyd-Jones says, you can still be a slave experientially when you are no longer a slave legally. Whatever you may feel, whatever your experience may be, God tells us here through his word that if we are in Christ, we are no longer in Adam. We are no longer under the reign and rule of sin. And if I fall into sin as I do, it is simply, Lloyd-Jones says, because I do not realize who I am. He says, realize it. Realize it and reckon it. This morning, we're dead to sin, Paul tells us. And we've been united with Jesus. His story, his victory is our victory. We've got a new story this morning. We need to realize who we are in Christ. And when we realize it, we live it out. And that's what we'll see in the second half. But we're going to sing a song as we pause for a minute. And it's a song that says, yet not I, but Christ in me. You see, this is the thing we've been seeing. It's not about me. It's not my story. It's Jesus. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Well, we're going to sing. So stand if you're here at home. Sing along as we sing the song, yet not I, but Christ in me. Let's stand together. And secondly, and finally, this morning, very briefly as we close, secondly, alive to God. That's our second point this morning, alive to God. You see, Paul made it pretty abundantly clear, didn't he, in the first section, that we are dead to sin. And verse 11, if you look with me, he says to count yourselves dead to sin, to think of yourself like that. And if Paul left it like that, it would be a pretty bleak message, wouldn't it? But that's not where he ends it. Because that's not where Jesus' story ends. Look with me at verse 11. Paul says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 13, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Don't you love that description of what Christ has done for us? He's brought us from death to life. That is the Christian story this morning. Death to life. Before we had no hope, there was no life after death. And yet because we've been united with Christ, because his story is our story, we've been brought from death to life. We've been made alive to God, that broken dead relationship with God has been restored and we can know him as our father as our king death is not the end of our story now we're under Christ and life awaits those who trust him and therefore Paul invites us to live out this truth this morning Christ has rescued us he's brought us from life to death and so let's live as those who have done that That's Paul's message. 
As Martin Lloyd-Jones said, we need to realize who we are. And when we realize who we are, to live that out. Live it out. Paul says not to offer ourselves to sin anymore. Don't let that be the thing that rules and governs what you do, verses 12 and 13. But rather, he says, verse 13, offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. How do we rightly respond to grace that has been given to us? Paul says the right response is not thinking how much can I get away with, but thinking how much can I offer to the one who has brought me from death to life. Paul ends in verse 14. He says, for sin shall no longer be your master. You're not under law, you're under grace. You've got a new king. You've been brought out of that life, not to go back in it. The direction of grace leads not back into sin. It leads into living for Christ. I don't know whether you saw, you heard of her on BBC um, a while ago. There was a guy called Tony Fords who was in Sheffield, and he um, had attended to this memorial that he put up every single day when he was a lad uh, in 1944. Tony, he was playing in the park with some of his friends and there was an American war plane flying over and it had broken and it was going to crash into the ground, crash into the park where Tony was. And the pilots saw that he was there and so they managed to divert the plane to crash into the next field, not into the field that Tony was playing in. Tony even said that he could see the eyes of the pilots that were flying down. And when the plane crashed in the field nearby, all of the people on that plane died. And Tony, knowing that those pilots had saved his life, had made that largest attempt to, to move the plane into another field, well, do you know, he set up this memorial in this park where he was playing. And he attended to it every day to honor and to remember those people that had saved his life. You see, Tony could have just got on with his life. He could have. But you see, that's not how it works, is it? That's not how it humanly feels. That's not how it naturally feels to respond to something like that. Because when we realize how much we've been helped and how much we've been saved, we can't just get on with life like nothing's changed. Our motives change. We want to live differently in a response to what's happened to us. For people who have given themselves to us, it's what we're going to do next Sunday for Remembrance Day. Where we realize and we remember and we honor those who have given their lives for us. And yet this morning, how could anything compare to what Jesus has done for us? How he's brought us from death to life. And when we start to realize the cost the cost that it took him. When we realize the impact of what he's done in our lives, when we realize that our story's not the old story anymore, we've got a new story and we're united with Christ, that doesn't make us want to keep living in the way that we were. It doesn't want us to keep going in the same direction that caused Jesus' death in the first place. But rather, our response is we say, Jesus, have all of me. Have me. I'm yours. Use all of me. Let me be an instrument, as Paul says, in your hands. Don't you love that picture? I was thinking about this this week. 
But what an awesome prayer this would be. Waking up and saying, Lord, I offer myself to you today. Not to myself, not to my sin. I offer myself to you today. Lord, fulfill in me the plans and the purposes that you've set before me to walk in today. I'm yours. That's the response of grace. That is what true grace leads us in. Use me, Lord, to bring others from death to life. And if we're here this morning, maybe we're watching online, and we don't yet know Jesus, we don't love him for ourselves yet, and we've been hearing about how Jesus can bring people from death to life, how he can forgive and restore and bring us eternal life, well, maybe we want to know how that story can be our story this morning. And if we want to do that, then there's a CE course starting tomorrow evening at half seven. Details are on our website. Go there, book on to see the best news that we could ever hear. But if this morning we're here and we are genuinely thinking about walking away, living for ourselves, thinking that grace will always be there for us, it'll always abounding source of forgiveness, God can wait. I just want to live for myself a bit. Please see from our passage this morning, this is not how we're to respond to grace. Realizing that sin is not our story anymore. We're united with Christ. And if we're died to sin, how could we live in it any longer? Christ brings us out of that. He died so that we could be brought out of that and know freedom and life in him. What shall we say then? What shall we say then, everyone? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in any longer? We are those who have been brought from life, death to life. Amen. Well, that concludes our time together this morning. And it seems like we won't be able to be in these services for the next couple of weeks as we go back into a lockdown. But that doesn't stop our services and our times where we can meet and we can hear God's words and we can sing and we can spend time in fellowship. So do keep logging on in line, but it's been great that you can be here this morning. Thanks so much if you've been tuning in online. Uh, It's been great that you've been with us. Do get in contact with us if you're new uh, today. And as we go out, the stewards will help direct us as we kind of move out from our seats. Do um, put in the offering for Christian Mission Fellowship if you'd like to give to that uh, great organization this morning. But as we go, let's pray and thank God for what he's done. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have provided the rescue we need that you have completely changed how our story looks and that your victory is our victory. And we don't need to fear our sin. We don't need to fear death because you, Lord Jesus, have won. And you set us free. And your story is our story. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that we would respond to that grace in the right way. We respond to you saying, Lord, use me. Lord, here I am. Fulfilling me your plans and your purposes. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. May we live in response to this truth this week. Amen.